It's time for the IHSA Safety Podcast. Welcome to IHSA Safety Podcast. We're joined today by CPO or Chief Prevention Officer Ron Koleski. And I want to welcome Ron for uh, joining us on this uh, podcast today and talk about uh, maybe your last three and a half years. And before we even start, I want to say congratulations on that term that you've uh, had over the last three and a half years as Ron has announced his retirement coming up in September 30th. So again, welcome, Ron. Thank you, Enzo. Appreciate you uh, joining us, uh, Ron. And uh, today we're going to talk about a couple of things here, if I can, and maybe starting with um, where you came from. And uh, for those who didn't know, Ron has been, again, the Chief Prevention Officer, our second Chief Prevention Officer for the last three and a half years, taking uh, this office in March of 2018. But before that, uh, Ron was our was the CEO of Public Services Health and Safety Association, a sister association of IHSA. Um, so I wanted to look key in a little bit on that and your your past experience, Ron, and and maybe your how that has contributed to your uh, position as chief prevention officer. Well, thanks, Enzo. Uh, yes, I uh, actually, to, to be honest with you, health and safety was not one of my career choices over the past forty five years. I I kind of slipped into it, if you will, um, although I have been uh, very much involved in a number of careers where health and safety was very important, um, whether that be my tenure as the um, the head of the ambulance service in Toronto or paramedic service, um, moving from there, March of Dimes with, uh, with about 1,500 uh, uh, people that were engaged in community support and home care. Um, Coincidentally enough, when I was with the private sector, I was with a technology startup called Gesture Tech, and we were using uh, immersive um, uh, uh, technology, um, and uh, it was very much geared towards the disability market, um, so involved very heavily with that. And then, of course, with the Red Cross, uh, not only with the international work that we were doing, but also... Uh, domestically uh, with 3,000 home care employees. So, you know, health and safety was always sort of top of mind. And then uh, I was recruited, um, uh, Louise Logan, who uh, was the CEO of Public Service Health and Safety, had moved on. And um, I received a call from a recruiter that said, I, th- I think you'd be really interested in this this position with PSHSA. So I applied for it and uh, I, I got the job and um, that was really the start of really getting involved in uh, the health and safety industry. Um, and coincidentally though, um, in 2012 when I was with the Red Cross, we were very much involved with injury prevention from a, from a first aid point of view and we also had other programs that were teaching. I got... Um, I made an appointment and actually met with George Gritsiotis on within his first month of being on the job. And uh, I always thought it was a little bit coincidental that ultimately I ended up getting his position. Um, but when I was with PSHSA, it was really it was an opportunity to continue on the really good work that had been done um, with this amalgamation and bringing together the three uh, organizations similar to IHSA uh, uh, with, uh, with the utility and construction sector coming together. It was the education, municipal, and healthcare sectors came together to create uh, PSHSA. So it was really carrying on with that integration process. 
and um, looking at um, uh, some of the evolving changes with not only technology, um, the use of um, the use of e-learning, but also trying to create a presence within those sectors to start dealing with some of the critical issues that were going on, particularly violence in healthcare right. and uh, mental health with uh, with uh, public well, safety. That's that's an interesting take there because uh, as as you saw as you just mentioned you were you're the second uh, chief prevention officer so having seen our first chief prevention officer George Gritziotis work for about five years I think it was in his tenure. Um, and you coming from the sectors that are dealing with topics that are really pertinent to everyone in Ontario, the sectors that we serve, at, you know, construction, transportation and utilities, mental health and and uh, occupational disease and then things like that and harassment and violence. Um, so how does that prepare you seeing you saw the previous five years of the CPO, um, you, you've been very experienced and and immersed in the healthcare and all those sectors with regards to those topics. So how did that prepare you for your upcoming role as the chief prevention officer? And how do you think you've moved those kind of chains forward in Ontario? You know, I, I, I used to spend a lot of time with with George, not only as, as him being the CPO, a, a position within the Ministry of then Labour, but also within the politics and working with the various associations and other stakeholders. And I think some of the critical insights that I found is, and, and we've actually lived through it becoming a new ministry, mm -hmm. as you know, going from Ministry of Labor, where it was largely uh, the inspectorate, which was the largest component of the Ministry of Labor, policy, prevention, right. and labor relations solutions. That was the, that was the whole ministry as a whole. Um, and then moving to the larger one with Employment Ontario and immigration nomination and, and, and really becoming a five times greater sized ministry. What I really perceived going into this job was that there was a, a, a really bad, not bad, but that's probably a, a poor choice of words, but the, the challenge of integrating prevention into the then Ministry of Labour really hadn't been successful. It was very still focused on the inspection side. And of course, you had the Occupational Health and Safety Branch, which was, by virtue of its name, was almost like a competition mm, right. with the prevention office. And um, really that integration um, really occurred in a more fuller sense when we started to create the new ministry with other, um, with the other uh, new uh, divisions that came in. So I think, you know, starting anything, you're a trailblazer. I mean, that George, George sort of did that trailblazing, uh, you know, like a pioneer going out west. Well, a few of them didn't make it, and a lot of them, you know, had the holes and scars yeah. to show once they got there. And I think that the difference is George laid the foundation, and it's it's a lot easier for the next guy. Um, now, I'd have to say, having a change of government, uh, you know, we had a minister uh, with, uh, with uh, Minister Flynn, who had been the labor minister for almost three years. So there was a lot of stability in that relationship. So then having a change of government, 
um, you know, the first year of the, the uh, of the new government was a, as a, was a challenge as they were trying to get their feet wet on where right. they wanted to go. And then that changed again when they started to look at, okay, maybe we want to uh, take a different course, and that's that's been actually good for prevention, um, and continues under the current minister, who's again, you know, moving into his third year as well, mm-hmm. which has brought stability to right uh, to health right. And, and a big a big um, advocate for, I know in our case is working for the trades and working for opening up opportunities for youth. I mean, that's a fantastic uh, thing. But it, again, we want to make sure that the youth are always in the best position from a health and safety perspective, and as as we look at that, so, you know, that that's great to hear that, you know, the the integration of the ministries uh, or Ministry of Labor with training skills and develop, skills development uh, has, has worked out well. Um, what do you think is, from a health and safety perspective, obviously COVID threw a big curveball into everything after your second year. Um, but how do you think, um, you know, moving forward, uh, the success has been in regards to, you know, dealing with those youth, dealing with the the young people, dealing with the op- people coming in with opportunity, whether it's uh, new to Canada or otherwise. How do you think Ontario's fared as far as, you know, trying to improve their health and safety outcomes um, during your tenure? Um, you know, clearly it's, it depends on what you're measuring. Okay. And if, if we measure, um, you know, were we successful in reducing subsets like, you know, fatalities as an example, that we still haven't quite got to the point where, you know, we have a flat curve that's heading in a downward position. It's still kind of pumpkin face. You know, we celebrate a really good year and then next year it's bad. And then the next year it may be less bad. So, you know, we still have some some areas of improvement there, and and the same with uh, with critical injuries. However, there have been some um, real positive uh, spots, and I think it's again foundational work that we're doing um, in the area of you know the root cause analysis, starting to understand why injuries are occurring. Um, you know, this focus on uh, a more um, epidemiological approach to health and safety. Right. So we. We, um, you know, as I use the parallel, when you you go to your doctor, what the doctor does to you in terms of procedures, all founded on research with predictable outcomes. Um, We need to work towards that in health and safety so that, you know, as the Auditor General said, we may be the safest jurisdiction in Canada, but we still can't figure out why. That that we, you know, well, there's good work being done, um, I think, moving forward where we can uh, look at um, what we do. And I think the groundwork is being laid with that, whether it's through the strategy or whether it's through people recognizing um, the value of health and safety. Um, You know, when we look at construction, you know, we can look at the per capita investment, which is second only to mining, which is a high risk thing. Um, we see the value that has come out of um, COVID with the um, sort of collaboration that's taken place with the big major associations like ResCon, like OGCA, like um, COCA and BUILD, where we, we, we work collaboratively with you as, as, as the health and safety expert for construction um, in, in really coming through a real challenging situation. 
um, that has been groundbreaking in many ways that will lead to the a new future right. for health and, and safety. And, and that's industry. one of the points I think uh, we wanted to chat about today, but is, is stakeholder input and stakeholder engagement. I know that you've been through your tenure, and again, kudos to you, you've been extremely approachable with all sectors and having that broad uh, engagement level with them has has collected them, brought them in, and, and we're getting good solutions and good feedback from the industry. Um, like I said, I don't think you've ever missed an appearance or an interview or meeting request. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that value of the stakeholder input? Because again, without it, uh, we're kind of wandering in the dark. Having that stakeholder input really provides us with clarity in regards to what's what's uh, touching base with them, what's making sense, what's not making sense. So a little bit on that in regards to the success of health and safety outcomes uh, today and tomorrow, including also maybe the Prevention Council and the renewal at the Prevention Council. Well, I used to, you know, funny enough, a lot of my history with organizations have been, you know, what I would characterize as turnarounds. And, uh, you know, I've, I've fallen into some jobs where the position and the organization was in jeopardy, whether it was funding, whether it was privatization, whether it was, uh, you know, just a change in attitude towards the organization. And I came up with a state, uh, sort of a saying going into it, make them want to miss you before you're gone. And part of that is ensuring that um, the crowd behind you in support of you is bigger than the crowd in mm -hmm. front of you that's not mm -hmm. supporting you. And really, the importance of stakeholder engagement to get not only a profile, but also to engage people to see the value of what you're, you're peddling or what you're trying to sell or what you are doing. And it really, the ground up approach is the best way to do it. If we don't have the support of the people that we are there to serve, you know, when, when those critical issues come along, like funding reductions or like a change in in attitude or a desire to move more into, uh, uh, you know, an alternative model. If you don't have that backing, you really don't have right. the strength to be able to deal with that because you're really only one person. Um, and and I've, I've, I've always taken that attitude. So it didn't matter who it was that would call. Um, I, I would make the time. And I, I saw the value of engaging with associations. Um, we saw that when we were working with uh, OGCA and CORE and moving to um, supporting Ontario's Safe Employer Program. We knew that there was a, a whole cadre of people that, that had a different opinion about CORE versus ISO. Right. But we, working with those stakeholders, we knew that um, they had a lot of influence and, you know, they, they made their position known and it was an opportunity to, in fact, strengthen the Supporting Ontario Safe Employer Program by working with those stakeholders, working with you, understanding the program more than just on the surface. And I think that, you know, many other um, opportunities existed with other associations to get in there. So it was really, how do we increase the profile of prevention? You have to get out there. Um, you know, I also believe in, you, um, you don't invite everybody to your office. You go out to mm -hmm. their office because um, that that brings more sincerity and legitimacy to the position. You know, I didn't want to be seen as just another bureaucrat uh, 
inconvenienced by travel. Right. Even during these tough times, again, whether it was virtual or otherwise, you know, again, we want to thank you for that uh, that that time you provided and and clarity and engagement and conversation because that's what that's how we get to solutions. And like you said, there are many solutions out there. It's not about one way ticket to uh, to preventing uh, injuries and illnesses. There's a number of ways, and it has to be catered to both the sectors as well as. Um, uh, the risk, as you mentioned, the risk is always an important piece, whether it's higher risk or, or decreased risk, but those are always important uh, elements to consider in, in prevention. The IHSA Safety Podcast. For more episodes, tips, and all things safety, go to ihsasafetypodcast.ca. Thanks for listening. Each year, about 5,000 IHSA supervisor logbooks are ordered for supervisors across Ontario. Why is the logbook so popular? Because it was developed by the industry for the industry. That's what makes it unique. IHSA thanks the members of the Labour Management Network and advisory councils who contributed their knowledge, experience, and time to the preparation of this supervisor logbook. Contact IHSA at 1-800-263-5024. That's 1-800-263-5024. Or visit ihsa.ca. That's ihsa.ca.